0: Welcome, everyone, to the SC Mafia Strength and Conditioning Coaches podcast. I'm your host, Connor Ryder. Together, we'll speak with Springfield College's many strength and conditioning alumni and hear about their experiences firsthand. The goal is to bring together the very strength coaches Springfield College has produced into one open forum. That being said, hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, and welcome to the SC Mafia Strength and Conditioning Coaches Podcast. I'm your host Connor Ryder, and our guest today is finishing up his first semester as the assistant AD for Sports Performance slash head strength conditioning coach for Saginaw Valley State University, Fod and All right, let's get right into it. Fod, tell the listeners about yourself and your path into coaching, if you would, please.
1: So I, I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, played in Division three football at Christopher Newport University in Newport News, Virginia. And like most, I feel like like most strength coaches I've met, it's either a subpar athletic career or an injury that has led them to strength and conditioning. Mine just so happened to be a injury. I dislocated my left knee, tore my ACL, MCL, and meniscus. And like every other college athlete, I thought I was invincible. And then when I got hurt, it took a real toll on me mentally. Almost like the fact where you know you're human and you know you can get hurt. So went through the rehab process, started training again, ended up re-tearing the meniscus and training on it for six weeks without knowing I was training on a torn meniscus. And so after the second surgery, I got with a strength and conditioning coach at the performance center that was attached to our PT clinic. And it's what changed my life of strength and conditioning my viewpoint of strength and conditioning. I always enjoy training, still enjoy training obviously. And I was always interested in learning about the human body, you know, cause I first came into seeing you as a history major and full disclosure, I was not a fan of all the reading that came with being a history major. So I switched to physical therapy and then I did two days maybe in a physical therapist's office and realized that this was extremely boring for me. This isn't dogging what physical therapists do cause it's obviously important I've gone through it. It's just not my, it wasn't me. I'm not the dress shirt, polo and a pair of slacks type of guy in a quiet environment. And so the strength coach that I was with, Jamel Cooper, got me at a point where I had absolutely no confidence in myself as an athlete. And he built me back up from zero. And Jamel would test different things out on me because I told him, man, do whatever you have to do. I don't care. I'm not going to ask questions. I'm just going to go. And that's when I thought to myself, this is what I want to do. This is awesome. Like what Jamel did for me, what my strength coach did for me, I want to do for others. I don't want others have to go through what I went through. But if they do, I want to be the person that helps them get back. Because the best shape I ever got in was the four months I would train with Jamel going into camp my senior year. And Unfortunately, it didn't last me. My knee wasn't going to last. I ended up re-injuring it. And so I stayed on as a student assistant coach with the linebackers. And that spring, my strength coach asked me if I wanted to be a student worker in the weight room. And it's cleaning up, setting up, it's filming lifts, it's helping spot, all the little stuff. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I loved doing all the grunt work. And my strength coach had a feeling that I wanted to get into strength and conditioning because I, I, ex- you know, I had expressed it a little bit towards him indirectly and vaguely. And so he took me under his wing. And when I graduated, he said, you want to stay on as an intern. I can't pay you. So you're going to have to find a job lined up perfectly because my head football coach offered me a part-time assistant coach position. And so that position, unfortunately, only paid about $10,000 for the year to which one of the months in between I was working unpaid. So I had to get a second job. So I worked overnight at Walgreens every other night because it paid the most in working during the day, and I had football obligations and strength and conditioning obligations during the morning and the day. So there were times where I would wake up, I'd go to the lifts, I would prep for practice, go to practice, shower, go home really quick, eat, and then just go straight to work at Walgreens. And my shift started at 10, I think, 10 to about 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m. And then I'd take a little nap and go right back to meetings the next morning with the offensive staff. So I mean, it was a grind, but I, I knew it wasn't permanent. I knew it's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a strength coach. And that's when trying to figure out how to go about becoming a strength coach. I could do internships, but what do I need? And my strength coach brought up, you know, you could be a graduate assistant. And I'm like, now I got to apply to grad school and go back to school. But for what? You know, I, I was a psych major at the time. And so I looked up strength and conditioning graduate programs. And the first one was Springfield College. I clicked on it. And towards the bottom of the page, I mean, a laundry list of strength coaches in the professional field, collegiate setting, the professional setting. And I thought to myself, this is it. I went and asked my strength coach about it. And you know, he was like, yeah, I know that program. It's one of the best programs in the country, if not the world. And I looked at him, I said, that's where I'm going to go. That's what I need. So I did not have any really much of the prerequisites, I, I think I was lacking two classes, exercise science, because they weren't offered in my undergrad, nor were they offered in any community college around me, which, you know, what are the odds of that? So I emailed the advisor and asked him, what are the odds of somebody getting into the program? And Dr. Thompson, who's the advisor, said, it, it has happened, but it's recommended you find it somewhere. It was no way I was getting those classes. I mean, I, I would have had to drive probably all the I think either all the way back to Richmond to go get, find those classes at the time. So we were interviewing a candidate a little bit later on. This is, I emailed him in August during camp of 2014. And so we were interviewing a candidate from Springfield College for an assistant coach position, strength coach position, Sean Conady. And my strength coach had me pick him up from the airport. And yeah, I got it. And he goes, he's from Springfield. So immediately I'm like, I gotta, I gotta pick this dude's brain as much as I can. And his airport was five minutes away from the hotel that he was staying at. And I turned that five-minute drive into a 20-minute drive, just driving around, asking him questions, picking his brain. And then even afterwards, at the end of his interview, talking to him, picking his brain as much as I could. And he gave me the idea and the thought that, hey, you should go visit Springfield. So I scheduled a tour of the campus and I emailed Dr. Thompson. This was March 2015 hey, I'm flying up to Springfield. I'm going to tour the campus. I'd love to sit down with you if you have five, 10 minutes. And we talked for maybe an hour, hour and a half. We walked through the, the building, the weight room, the facilities. He left me in the office alone with the GAs and the interns, and they were talking to me. And little did I know at the time, that the GAs were his eyes and ears. So that was part of my interview into the program, talking to them. And I'm just Picking their brain, you know, the type of programming they're doing, why they chose Springfield, where they're from, absorbing everything I could. And I left that program and I told him, Look, Dr. Thompson, I know I don't have any I'm missing two of the prereqs. And I told him that I'm still wanna come here. This is the program I want. And if I don't get in, I'm gonna email you asking you what I need to do differently, and I'm gonna apply again next year. And I'll do it again next year, and I'll do it again next year, and we'll go through this cycle because this is where I want to go. So, he asked me if I was willing to take undergrad courses as a grad student, still graduate in two years. And I said, I'll do whatever I need to do. I don't care. This is where I need to be. And so, my GPA was a little bit under what was required of the school. My GREs were not anywhere near what was required of the school. But thankfully, Dr. Thompson had the final say in who got into the program. And I found out much later on after I got my acceptance letter, I think I got my acceptance letter a month later. I find out that after me and him met, he called Sean and asked Sean about me. And he told Sean, I'm going to accept him into the program. And the next day, went to admissions and pushed my application through and said, I want to push him through. I want to accept him into the program. Sean knew I was getting accepted. My strength coach knew I was getting accepted. I was the one sweating for like three, four weeks. And I got my acceptance letter and I looked at it and I went straight to the weight room and I gave it to my strength coach and my strength coach coaches lit up. And then Sean started laughing and he starts laughing. I'm like, what's so funny? And Sean was like, Dr. T called me right after he met with you and told me he was accepting you. And I looked to my strength coach. My strength coach was like, yeah, he came in. Sean came in the next day and told me you're getting accepted into the program. I'm like, so I'm here in the office every single day, sweating, stressing out. You guys are seeing the stress on my face. And my strength coach was like, it was the funniest thing in the world. Every time you left the office, we just started laughing. I'm like, dude has no idea that he's already gotten into the program. So I took every advantage I could at Springfield. You know, you're open to so many resources there, but it's on you how you use those resources. And so I got there and the first month I met with Dr. Thompson about summer internships. And I told him I wanted to go to University of Iowa and I didn't have a backup. He was like, you need to make sure you have a backup. And I was like, nope. I didn't have a backup grad program. I don't have a backup internship. I need to go to Iowa in the summer. And then I had sent an email to the assistant director there and didn't hear back until around Thanksgiving time. And so while I was waiting, I interned at Holy Cross that fall, did my spring internship in the weight room at Springfield. And then Coach Oliver asked me to stay on in the spring while I was still interning in our weight room at Springfield. So I... It was like four o'clock in the morning. I'd get up. I'd drive to Shrewsbury, Mass for football speed and agility, drive back towards Worcester, lift in their weight room, then come back to Springfield, go to a meeting before football lifts, and then go through football lifts, track lifts, and then have class at night. And so it was a bit of a grind, but man, I enjoyed every single bit of it, like living off of Gatorade shakes and Gatorade bars while I was my first year of grad school and finally heard back from Iowa. Went out there the summer of 2016 and then interned there, which was an unbelievable experience. I mean, just taught me so much just about organizing and program design and just how that staff operates in such a professional manner. Took what I learned there into my GA position at Springfield. And that internship in Iowa is what connected me with Vanderbilt because James Dobson, who was a director at the time, was very close with Chris Doyle, their strength coach and It took a couple of months after graduation, but I ended up getting an interview at Vandy and then was hired a couple of days later at Vandy. Yeah, I think it's
0: really interesting every time I hear somebody's past or their path into strength and condition because they're all so, so different. But in a lot of ways, they're the same, too. You know, it's a long grind and... Probably, yeah, like a lot of very poor athletes or a lot of injured athletes that get into it. But it's so interesting to me that everybody who's been through that grind of a rehab or just the grind of an internship that although it's super difficult and I have so much respect for anybody that can complete a high level college football internship, because those are tough. It's what cements you as a like this is what I want to do Mm -hmm. and the people that can make it through that grind and it's not everybody the people that can they usually become pretty freaking good strength coaches you know so I have a ton of respect for anybody that can stick it through that and get into grad school and decide I want to be a strength coach I don't want to do anything else but let's go into your career Vandy you were there for a while and that's something commendable, especially in the college football world. So I think it's important that we talk about that. What do you think made you successful at Vandy? What do you think kept you there? And how did that propel you into the spot you're in
1: now? The transition to Vandy was a little difficult at first. I went from being a GA leading six teams, programming for six teams, to then being the number five assistant, back to doing all the work that interns did. I had zero to little responsibility there. I would take attendance. I would refill the refueling station. I would clean. I would set up. I would break down. I had zero programming responsibilities, just programming for myself and a bunch of my friends back home. So I took that time to just, you know, it was frustrating at first, but I knew there was a lot I had to learn. I wasn't the best strength coach in the world. Still not the best or the smartest strength coach in the world. That's what I strive to be every single day. But I had a lot to learn. And I absorbed everything and to the point where I was able to get more and more responsibilities in program design and with reconditioning exercises for athletes, with injured cards, we're making adjustments and programs for athletes coming off of long-term injuries and acute injuries. So that, I think, grew my ability to adapt and work around certain deficiencies that athletes have. And being able to program for injured athletes, you have to get very creative. I mean, you have to think outside the box. There's basic things that you can do with them, but there are some things where, okay, I have to find some way to work around their injuries and their deficiencies. So I adapted very, very well in that sense. And it allowed me just to grow in my program design and be able to think outside the box. What, what kept me at Vandy, it's, it's funny, man. I actually got let go at Vandy. So 2020 season, our head coach halfway through the season after our Missouri game was fired. We all knew we were fired and we went through the rest of that COVID year, which was a nightmare of a season just because of COVID itself and everything we were coming off of, that huge initial surge of COVID. But at the same time, we didn't win a single game. And one of our games being canceled, our game against Georgia being canceled. So we all actually got let go. And so I was engaged at the time. My wife and I were getting married that May. She was about to enter. She was going to be in her second year of grad school at the time. She was going to go into her last year of grad school. So it was pretty stressful. And that was my introduction into being let go. And I'd always told, warned my wife about it. I didn't know what it was like, what I'd be thinking. But I got let go. And it was stressful at first because they hadn't hired a head coach yet. You had no idea if you were going to stay or not. And finally, when they hired a head coach, we all got the word, hey, we're, we're being let go. We're not being interviewed. And believe it or not, when I got that text, I was actually training my wife, who was my fiance at the time. And to me, the hardest part was not getting the phone call that I'm not being interviewed and I'm let go. The hardest part was having to hang up and go tell my fiance, who I convinced to go to school full time and that I will take care of everything financially, that I don't have a job anymore. That is what struck me as the hardest. And my wife was trying to ask questions that I didn't have answers to yet because I hadn't processed it. And I was stressed out and frustrated. And she didn't know until much late, like I think a year into our marriage when I told her, yeah, I just said, getting fired sucks. And having to leave that way sucks in your mind because you're like, you did a disservice to the athletes and you saw the work that they put in. And the fact that you couldn't give them a winning season or help them get to a winning season, it hits you pretty hard mentally. Well, I mean, the hardest part was telling, I told her, telling you, I didn't know how to say it. And so it sucks, but it was closure the next day when I woke up. Like I felt fine. Why do I feel okay right now? Even my wife, when she's talking to me, she was like on the phone. She said, like, you, you seem like you're okay. I'm like, I'm doing great. I'm like, shoot, I'm good. And I figured out it was closure. I finally had answers. So now I finally know, hey, I'm let go. Let's enjoy the time we have because I could get a phone call tomorrow. I could get a phone call in a week. I could get a phone call in May, be here till May. We don't know, but let's just enjoy the time we have together. And the next day I went and got one last lift in at school, had to clean some last stuff out of my locker, turned in my keys, said my goodbyes. And then I went home, I went to my wife's house and I was like, "Um, look, nothing I can do about it. I finally got answers that I was looking for and I'm good. I'm at peace with the world, which was scary to me because I'm like, I shouldn't feel this good right now. But... I called everybody that I knew in my tree. I texted them and they asked me who the new strength coach was at Vandy. And I was like, that doesn't matter. He's probably got his own staff. I'm not worried about it. On to the next thing. Just hear of anything or anything pops up. Just let me know. Keep me in mind. And so that day after I turned in my keys and everything, this was January 16th, I believe. I went and got a membership at a powerlifting gym and lifted there ran some errands came back home and i'm like well, i don't know what to do i'm laying there with my dog laying on right on top of me passed out We're watching gi joe and i get a phone call from the head coach's assistant she was a previous head coach assistant and was retained and i'm thinking my wife called charlotte to or text her to check up on me or something you know so i pick up the phone and she was like hey you want to hear some good news and i was like sure here's the Brandon Horrigan, the new strength coach, would like to interview you. And I'm like, there's a long pause on the phone. And I'm like, what? Why? And she's like, I thought you'd be excited. And I'm like, I am. But I finally made peace with the demons in my head after getting fired. Now you're telling me I got an interview. So I was like, when? It was tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. It's like 4.30 at this time on a Tuesday. I'm like, Charlotte, I don't have my resume printed. I don't have a haircut because I wasn't getting interviewed. Like, I was going to do all that at the end of the week. Like, I don't, I'm not ready for an interview right now. And so she goes. You can come here and print out your stuff because FedEx wouldn't print out my stuff. And I, I texted my barber, and he held the place open later for me. I came in, got a cut, prep for the interview the next day. Interview with Braden Horgan for about five hours. We were in the weight room, just talking, getting to know each other. And I came home to my fiance. Look, he doesn't know me. I don't know him. If anything, I'm just walking away, building a connection. That's it. I'm not getting hired. And I was like, he. There's no way he would hire me. And. I remember this, I get a call at 1038 that same night. I'm out walking my dog and it's from Coach Horrigan. And he was like, first off, I apologize for calling you so late, but I didn't want to go to bed without talking to you. And I want to offer you the job. And I was at a loss of words. It took me by surprise. Did not think I was getting retained. And I had no idea. In my interview, he was like, I got these people calling me telling me, hey, you need to talk to this kid, interview this guy. And at the end of the interview, I'm like, coach, if you don't want me asking, who the hell called you? Because I don't know anybody that knows you. And he said, Irvin Young, who Irvin and I worked together at Vandy for about eight months before he moved on to be the assistant director at Mizzou. And he was like, I got a phone call, a message and a text from the assistant director at Mizzou. I got a call from Joe Ken. or text from Joe Ken and he showed me a text message Joe Ken screenshotted my picture from the website and sent it to him and Adam fight who's a Springfield guy Adam and I were talking and you know he was talking about getting me in the room for an interview and I was like all I need is an interview but then when I found that I'm not getting interviewed I'm like it is what it is but he contacted Joe Ken who was good friends with Brandon Horrigan and Ken told Horrigan fight vouches for this guy so I vouch for this guy And I vouched for fight, so you should sit down and talk with this kid. And to me, it was a blessing in disguise because it kept me with my wife in our first year of marriage and her last year of her doctorate program, which was her hardest year. And it gave me two years with Coach Horrigan, who honestly prepped me for the position I'm in right now, put me in a position at Vanderbilt to learn, to make mistakes, and to program with him. And it's what prepared me to take this job. And it's when I got this job, I it's not one of those things where I felt nervous. Like, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what to do as a director or anything. It's not like I'm eager to get started. I know what I need to do. I need to get there and figure out what's the first step I got to take. And it's what prepped me for my interview, prepped me for this role. And it's the reason why I'm sitting here as a head strength coach, man.
0: Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. And it's just about being genuine, right? It's like, I know a power five strength coach and I, I won't say who it is, but I remember I had a conversation with him and he was like, dude, two years ago, I got fired. It was the first time in my life I had been fired and I didn't know what to do. This is all I knew. This is my only job. And what ended up getting him his interview with the new head strength coach was the players. The players heard that he wasn't going to get interviewed and heard that he wasn't coming back. However, they found out and they started to call the new head strength coach and they said, you got to keep this guy like we vouch for him. We want him. And as the new head strength coach, I mean, how do you say no to that? How do you say no to the players vouching for the assistant to be retained? You know, so Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a no brainer at that point. Like the guys vouch for him. That's all it takes is just being genuine, developing relationships and just being the same person every day with everybody you meet, you know? So, that being said, you're probably the same guy now in your director role that you were at Vandy, and I want to get into that. So, what do you think you needed to develop in those few years with Coach Horrigan that assistant strength coaches now or younger coaches should develop before they're prepared
1: to take that leap to a director spot? With Coach Horrigan, I got a lot more autonomy. Coach Horrigan was somebody who depends a lot on his assistance. He can't do everything on his own as a director. And so he tasks you with responsibilities like, hey, I need you to make the lift groups. And it may seem like a small responsibility, but at Vanderbilt, it's one of the biggest ones because you're at a high academic school. And the, oh, I'll tell you what, the most annoying job I had was making lift groups at Vandy. I mean, with the class schedules and no priority registration and everything being done in the morning and you have professors who a lot of them did not give special treatment to athletes. Man, it would dude, it. It was the most it was the most annoying. I hated making lift groups there, but making lift groups there allowed me to problem solve, work with academics and figure out how to adjust schedules based off guys class schedules. And so I'd have a list of all the schedules and we didn't have any set times. I created the times for the lift groups and I ran them by coach. Hey, what do you think about this? Most people's class schedules are here. Yeah, let's do it. And a lot of switching around, a lot of text messages I got at night and in the mornings driving in from guys not being able to make the lift the next day or that day. And so having to adjust, but it allowed me to work closely with academics, which I had never done before. And I found out a lot about our academics teams and how they help our athletes and a lot more about how academics are at Vanderbilt and how rigorous they are. It made me fight to get priority registration for not just our guys, but for all athletes. And so there was a head coach going to the AD and pushing for it because we needed it. And finally, they got priority registration, which is a huge win in Vanderbilt athletics. But it was that it was equipment ordering. I made an inventory list of everything we had. and. He said, look through and tell me what you think we need. And I would go through all the stuff that I think we need order-wise. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to budget because we didn't have a strength and conditioning budget. It was just one of those things where you ask and if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. But just being able to prioritize what equipment is needed and not knowing what the budget is. Granted, it's going to be high. I mean, it's, it's an SEC program, but you don't know a number. Coming into this role here, I have a number for a budget. I have a number for a reserve budget. I know when my budget is done, I know how much it's going to be at July 1st when the fiscal year, when the new fiscal year begins. So being able to prioritize what equipment I need and then first getting there, it's making use of the equipment that you have. You know, we're not, when it came to weight rooms in the SEC, we were probably at the bottom of the barrel. Obviously other SEC programs have bigger facilities and Vanderbilt is changing. Now they're constructing and building a brand new weight room Redoing a stadium, redoing a locker room, the facilities, everything. But it's making use of the little that you have compared to other programs. They didn't have a little. It was, it, it was a lot. But compared to what other programs have, you don't have as much in making use of the little resources you have and getting the work done that needs to be done. Which here coming into to Saginaw, it's for a Division II school. Man, the facilities here are incredible. And I'm blessed to have as much as I have, like, a 3,500-square-foot weight room that has, what, 18 racks and everything I I could need. And I'm like, I'm blessed to have what I have here. But it's just being able to prioritize budgeting. And it's my first stint in Vanderbilt is working with injured athletes and being able to make the adjustments that I need to make and make them on the fly. Because countless times, the lift starts. And I got a handful of guys walking up to me saying, hey, coach, um, I messed up my shoulder yesterday at practice. And I'm sitting there modifying the cards, asking questions. All right, let's go from here and making the adjustments and being able to think on the fly and make adjustments on the fly. And if you're short on time, they're coming off of meetings late, what to cut out of the lift. And as you're watching the lift, what you want to cut out and make adjustments on. And it's just the injured aspect of it, the program designed for injured athletes, my first stint at Vanderbilt, what prepared me. But everything else, dealing with coaches, dealing with academics dealing with scheduling dealing with equipment order dealing with a facilities construction because we're putting a new floor here in at Saginaw and we're going to have other changes coming and just operating and dealing with that is what being exposed to it in front of coach Horgan, and as he was dealing with construction teams and everything and talking with the construction crew and the facilities crew where I'm listening to the conversations I'm not dealing with those big decisions But just seeing his thought process and how he would lay out the room and how he thinks allowed me to grow my mind and how I want my room to be, how I want my room to operate, the flow of my room from a safety standpoint and from an efficiency standpoint is what prepared me to sit in the role I'm in right now. Do you go into an interview
0: with administration or the hiring committee and say, this is what we want to do when we come in? this is what I want to achieve, but this is what I need to do it? Or when you're seeking that job, is it more just let me get in and then we'll go from there kind of conversation?
1: In my first interview, there were very generic questions. I did two Microsoft Teams interviews, and then I had the interview where they flew me up in person. And after my first interview, I mean, it was a very generic question. It was like, why did you choose sacramento Valley State? And why here? I honestly don't even remember questions from the first round of interviews. They were completely general questions. And they asked me if I had questions for them. And there was simple questions. It's about budgeting. It's about staffing and you know, GAs, interns, all that. What's the structure there? And the AD told me that we usually spill the beans after the second interview. And so she ended up calling me that evening and wanting me to go advance the second round of interviews. But She spilled the beans all on the phone there about the budgeting and staffing and assistant position and everything I had questions about. Because for me, at first, it was not about the changes that I was going to make. It was more so for me. What am I walking into right now? You know, is this a good decision? Like, Do I have an assistant position? If I do, what's the salary for my position? Do I have GAs? How long is the program? What are they doing in the program? and so i'm trying to get a feel of everything there and that's when she's walking me through everything and she's telling me well we budgeted out this much money for a brand new floor in the weight room but we don't want to make the decision with without hiring the new head strength coach so we're waiting on that decision the person who takes this role will be tasked with that decision and the second round of interviews are more specific to my field just different scenario questions Describe to me how you are with athletes. Describe to me an injury. How would you program for a soccer player compared to a sprinter? Describe you know an issue you've dealt with and how you've overcame that and how you problem solved. And the in-person interview was the one that really, I mean, it was, I toured the campus and I sat in a room. It was maybe like four or five hours, different committees coming in, interviewing me. And for me, it was, that was game time for me. Like they're going to ask me anything and everything under the sun. They asked me about budgeting. They asked me about compliance. They asked me about a conflict I had with an athlete. I believe they asked me about sports medicine. They asked me how would you treat this injury? Or what would you do if an athlete came to you with this? Or how would you program for this? And so they were asking me different questions about scenarios I'd been in. And I'd been exposed to those at Vandy within the last two years. So each one of my answers involved a scenario and a response and whether that response was led to a positive outcome or negative outcome. And if it led to a negative outcome, how would I have done it differently or changed differently? And from there, it was talking about, okay, so when, when the coaches were in there, was, every coach is going to want to work with you. How do you manage that Because every coach here may say, hey, I want you to work with my team, not your assistant, not your GA. I want you with my team. And it's a tough question to answer. But to me, it was, well, that weight room is going to be a direct reflection of me. And the assistant that I hire, whenever that time comes, will be a direct reflection of me. GA's and will be a direct reflection of me and my programming because I'll have influence on it. Their programs don't touch the floor unless I see it. And I talk to them about it and I allow them to make little mistakes if need be as long as it doesn't harm the athlete. So you are getting me in some type of way. Unfortunately, it may not be with actually coaching your team, but you're getting me involved in the program design of your team and the needs analysis of what your team needs and meeting with every head coach and seeing every head coach's standpoint on okay, what do you feel like your team is lacking in? Where do you feel like you need to make improvements? How is strength and conditioning a factor in that? And then from a refueling station standpoint and investing in athletes, I flat out told them, listen, I'm going to have difficult conversations with everybody here. And it's going to involve spending money. It's going to involve raising money. And I don't care if other people fundraise. I don't care if I have to put on a suit or I have to fundraise. But when we talk about investing in athletes and how – Strength and conditioning and sports performance is a priority here. Just saying it is one thing. You have to show it and you have to invest in it. And that comes with, okay, with the new floor. That comes with building a refueling station, stocking a refueling station, and ordering equipment, ordering new equipment, making sure we get everything the athlete needs here to make their experience here as an athlete an amazing one and allows them to excel at their sport. And so I flat out said in the interview, I'm going to have difficult conversations. And if you tell me no, it's fine. I'm going to sit there and say, let's figure out a solution then. And if we can't, then I'll schedule a meeting for next week and I'll be back the next week so we can sit here and figure out a solution. But I don't just go and take no for an answer. And so that interview was them interviewing me and as well as me interviewing them and seeing their investment and how important sports performance was to them, as well as them understanding like you're getting somebody who's not just going to come in and do the bare minimum. Like my goal is to allow the sports performance department to excel. And yes, I spent six years in SEC football, but it doesn't mean I'm a football guy only. I've worked with other athletes before. And one question I got, it was from the women's basketball coach, who's actually one of my teams here. And she's actually one of the ones, she's the first one to text me. After I started here, I was walking out my garage, headed to work on my first day, and I got a text message from her to set up a meeting. She asked me, how would you deal with a female team? And I'm like, I, I would trade them with the same intensity i train them with the male team. I don't think intensity of training is different per sport. The intent has to be there. So I'm going to train them with the same intensity. The bare movements, the basic movements, compound movements will be the same. Everything else after that is going to be pertinent to what they need in their sport. And I'm not going to talk to a female the same way I talk to a male. I'm not going to talk to a baseball player the same way I talk to a football player. I don't talk to two football players the same way or two basketball players the same way. You know, to me, it's cultivating a relationship with them. And I can sit there and I can regurgitate scientific facts about training and how this benefits you and everything. But they're not going to care about any of that unless they understand that I care about the person who isn't in the weight room, who's not wearing the jersey. I care about the human being. Dr. Thompson is one who told me this before wrestling lift, when I was interning for him my first year, he said, you could have the greatest program in the world. It doesn't exist, but you could have the best program in the world. But if your athletes don't trust you, they're not going to get the benefit from that program. And then you can have the strength coach who has the worst program in the world, but his or her athletes will run through a brick wall head first for them. And the ones that go through the worst program who have the higher trust for that strength coach will benefit more from the ones who have the best program, but little trust for that strength coach. Because the ones who have the higher trust will give everything they have in that program for that strength coach. Whereas the other ones won't. They'll give you maybe half of what they have. To me, it's cultivating relationships. It always has been. Building relationships with players at Vandy. Building the relationships with players here. Showing them that, mom, I am a meathead who is a nerd in some way. But I'm also a human being. Like, I don't just act like a strength coach. I act like a normal human being. I'm one who makes mistakes, and if I make a mistake, I'll own up to it in front of them.